Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Hey Soul Church, Pastor John here. Greetings from the USA. It's my final day in America. I'm heading home tomorrow and cannot wait to be back with you Chantel and my family and uh, our church family. I've really missed you all. I've been having significant meetings uh, in connection with raising vital funds for our new building and God's favor has been on this trip. I'll be sharing more about that in the weeks and months to come. So thank you for all your prayers. And we are so privileged today to have Pastor Luke Brendling and his wife Lisa and the whole family, extended family with us at Seoul. And he's going to be bringing the word in just a moment. But before he does, I just want to introduce Luke. Luke is an incredible man of God. He's a man of faith. And uh, he's going to be sharing his story. And they've been for a lot of pain over the last few years. But God has brought them out through to the other side. And we're just so proud of Luke and everything that he's achieving. So sorry I can't be here in person today, Luke. But we want you to know that God's going to use you mightily today to build the church, encourage the church here in Norwich. Uh, Luke's a local lad, grew up in Norwich, uh, where he went to the same school together, and our professional football career was about the same length, about three days. And so, hey, we both did our best. So, Luke, we love you, mate. Come on, why don't we all stand to our feet and give Luke Brenly a huge, warm welcome as he brings the word today. And I cannot wait to bring the word myself next week in Soldier. Love you. See you soon. Come on, let's give him a big welcome to the platform. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor John, for that introduction. Just stay standing for a moment. I actually am. He's right. I was born here. I was raised in this city, this fine city. My parents still live in this city. However, I have a confession to make. I am not a canary. I support the best team in the Premier League, Watford FC. We gave you your only three points this season. Be grateful. You can pray for me later. But you know, I just want to take a moment to honour your pastors. I've actually known both Pastor John and Chantel for a long time, but especially John. We, we grew up together. In fact, the, my first memory of John was when John and Russell Dacre came round to my house when they were about 10 years old and we were playing football in my garden. And John moved the ball to the right. He drove a a pile driver towards the net, completely missed the goal and smashed my parents' kitchen window. My dad is still waiting for John to fit the bill. But you know, John also played a big part in in my life, my salvation. I grew up in a Christian home, but fell away. My football career lasted a little longer than John's. I, I was involved in football for about three years at a good level, but I lost my way, fell away from the faith gave up on God. I thought he'd given up on me. And it was John who got on the phone. He was inviting me to come to church. And he said, Luke, I've got this youth night back in 2004. Why don't you come along? There's a band called Hillsong United coming. I didn't want to go. Long story short, he made me come. I was at the back of the service, similar to one like this, went forward, gave my life to Christ. And I tell you, the last 17, 18 years has been an incredible journey. And I now spend all my days on the road preaching the gospel. You know, everywhere I go, when people hear I'm from Norwich, they say, oh, are you from Soul Church? I 
said, no, I'm not from Soul Church, but I know it well. And I tell you what, Soul Church is known all over the world, not just because of its great name. It's because of what God is doing in this house through your exceptional pastors, Pastor Chantel and Pastor John. I love them dearly. They're authentic. They're passionate. They hear from God and they are truly doing a remarkable job in this city and beyond. So why don't we thank your pastors for what they do. All right, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into it. I hope you're ready because I'm ready. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for all that you're doing in and through this place and in this church. And Lord, I ask right now, Holy Spirit, I invite you to move amongst your people. Lord, I ask that every man, every woman and every child under the sound of my voice, those in this place and those watching online, Lord, will receive a word from you in season. Lord, I ask that minds will be renewed, that souls will be refreshed, that hearts will be transformed. Oh Lord, meet us today, we pray. And a faith-filled soul church said, Amen. Amen and Amen. Well, you may be seated. I know your theme for the year is Arise, and you have been covering a number of topics around that theme, and John has asked me today to preach on the topic of Arise in Faith, and so the title of my message, if you are taking notes this morning, is this, Take the Limits Off. January 2006, I had just arrived in Sydney, Australia to begin Bible college. Now, as much as I love church, I also love fitness and weight training, so I wanted to join a gym over there. However, I was on a budget and couldn't afford to go or buy any equipment. And so on my very first weekend there, I decided to pray about my dilemma. It was Saturday night. I know it's a small prayer, a, a trivial prayer, but it meant something to me, so I asked that God would enable me to be able to do some sort of weight training. I went to bed, got up the next day, and I had about a one-mile walk to church. Halfway on the walk, a white pickup truck pulled over by the side of the road. There was a rather large, muscular man in that, in that van, and he wound down his window, and he said, hey, are you going to church? I said, yes. He said, do you want to ride? And you know, my parents growing up, they've always taught me to never accept a lift from a stranger. But judging by his Bible on the dashboard, I thought I'd be okay. And so I jumped in the car and his name was Dave and we were having a general conversation. But as we drove into the car park and I went to get out of the car, Dave said something. He said, Luke, I don't know why I'm saying this but I really feel God is prompting me to tell you that I need to buy you a set of weights. I said, well, did, did he? Did he? I hadn't mentioned my prayer. I hadn't said nothing in, in our conversation. He said, give me two weeks and I'll bring something to your house. Two weeks later, Dave turned up with a brand new weights bench, some dumbbells, some weights and a bar, a weights bar. It was incredible. And he said, you know what, Luke, after I told you that on Sunday, I went to work on Monday. My boss pulled me into the office and he gave me a pay rise. And with that pay rise, I thought I'd bless you with a brand new set of equipment. True story. Now I'm going to come back to that story later. But my passage of text this morning comes from Matthew 8, verse 5. And they're going to put it up on the big Soul Church Bible. 
How many people like a big Bible? How many people brought their Bible? A few of you. That's good. That's good. It says this, starting in verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to to that servant, do this, and he does that. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you that I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Verse 13 goes on to say, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very moment. We live in a world that is dominated by limits. When you drive your car, your journey will be governed by a speed limit. When you walk into your favorite clothes store, there may not be a limit as to how much you want to spend, but there will be a limit on how much you can actually spend. You have limits in your job, limits on what you can or can't eat, limits on how much time you should scroll through your phone. Some of my brothers in here may have limits from your wives or girlfriends as to how much you can play on your Xbox. Nervous laughter. You know I'm speaking truth. Limits. Life is full of limits. You can't do this and you mustn't do that. Limits can be described as the furthest boundaries. And often, limits are there to protect us. But too many limits can restrict us too, especially when we transfer those physical limits over to our spiritual limits. When the boundaries that we have acclimatized to in our day-to-day thinking slowly sink into our day-to-day living. When our life becomes so structured full and perhaps even mundane that the radical faith we once had on show takes a back seat and we wonder why we are stuck, why we do not hear from heaven, why nothing changes in our life. But as the disciples learned, following Jesus each day, if you stay close to him, will force you, challenge you, encourage you to take the limits of your thinking, the limits of your actions, and the limits of your faith. Think about it. Every day those disciples woke up, they had no idea what Jesus was going to do or what he was going to have them do. Just imagine what the experience in the, the feeding of over 5,000 people in the middle of nowhere from five loaves of bread and two fish. Or watching a paralyzed man be lowered through a hole in the roof who came down only for Jesus to say, hey, pick up your mat and walk. And that man picks it up and he walks straight out of the house completely well. What would that do to your faith? All the time the disciples were out on a boat in stormy seas and Jesus was there walking on the water, calling for them to come to him. But only one man 
One man was brave enough to dangle his leg over the side of that boat and walk on the water. He did something that no one on that boat could did do, that they could only watch and dream about. He did something no one else did because he was willing to do what no one else was willing to do, and that was take the limits off his faith. He took the limits off his faith. Our friend, if you allow your past experiences, disappointments and fear to dominate today's expectations of what God wants to do through you, then that will hinder the adventure that God has mapped out for you. Now perhaps God didn't answer your prayer in the way that you hoped he would. Maybe he didn't come through on the time scale that you had put in place. Maybe you didn't get that job or, or, or that relationship didn't last or perhaps your finances ran dry and you have subconsciously put a limit on your faith in God. You don't even realize you've done it. For others in here, it is quite possible that, that, that you've stopped asking God to help you to lead you, to guide you, because you have convinced yourself that where you are currently at in life is where you have to stay, that this is it for you, that it's too hard for God, it's too late for God, you've missed your moment, you've messed up. Well, I want to remind you this morning that God can change things, but so can you. <laughs> so can you. It is your outlook that determines your outcomes. If you see everything as an obstacle, it will be an obstacle. But if you see that obstacle as an opportunity, it will be an opportunity. For some of you in church this morning and those watching online, you need to shift your perspective. God is not limited. He is so smart that you may not always understand him. He is so powerful that you cannot contain him. He is so sovereign that no one can elect him nor replace him. He is God Almighty who loves you, is interested in you, and has a great future in store for you. You can give him a hand if you believe him. From the youngest person in here, to the oldest person in here, if there is still breath inside of your lungs, then God hasn't finished with you yet. My question to you today is this, is that are you ready? Are you ready to take the limits off your faith? Are you ready to experience what God wants you to experience? Someone who did was this centurion. He knew how to get the attention of Jesus and receive his miracle. And so I want to give you three keys from this story this morning on how to take the limits off your faith. The first is this, number one, is that you need to come as you are. Verse five says, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. A centurion was a Roman soldier an officer in charge of around 100 soldiers. He was a Gentile, considered a foreigner, an outsider to the Jewish people. He was a part of the Roman Empire that, that, that would enforce their taxes and the worship of their other gods, on their own gods. It was also the Romans that would one day soon carry out the beating, whipping, uh, flogging and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. These Romans were not the most popular people of their time and certainly not in this location. But this centurion, this man of authority, he was different from the, mo from the rest. 
He, he had a respect for who Jesus was. And despite what uh, tradition and custom and society would have taught him, we still see him come out and approach Jesus for help. Oh, that should encourage us all right there. For it shows us that no matter who you are, who you are connected to, what your background is, what people may say about you, what your ethnicity is, what your social status is, what your history is, what your doubts are, you can still boldly approach Jesus and ask him for help. It is a clear reminder that Christ is available and belongs to all people. He belongs to all people. Now, I know as Christians, <laughs> we have a tendency to always want to put on our best. We don't like to admit when we're in trouble or that we're doubting our faith or even questioning where God is. We like to hide things, push things down for fear of what others may think of us. Or if we are too honest with our thoughts, then we run the risk of being hurt or even rejected. Now, I'm sure we can all admit to, to wrestling with those thoughts, but here is what I love about my God. You do not have to be like that with Him. God's love for you is different to man's love. Man's love blows so hot and cold. I've seen people adore people today that they despise tomorrow. One minute, you're the best person on the planet. The next minute, no one wants to be associated with you. Whereas God, listen to this, God knew everything about you before you were formed inside of your mother's womb. He knows your failures, your imperfections, your mistakes, the things you did and the things you didn't wish you didn't do. He sees the sides of you that no one else on this planet sees. And yet my Bible says that God still loves you. <laughs> he still loves you. He loves you. He is not expecting you to have everything else sorted out and put in order before you are welcomed into his presence. We are all a work in progress. I am a work in progress too. You can ask my wife that. <laughs> She's working on me. She's working on me. My Bible says, come as you are. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus said himself in Matthew 11.28, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, all who are broken, and I will give you rest for I am gentle and humble in heart. When you come into God's presence, you will find love, acceptance, and forgiveness. You find grace, rest, and healing. You find freedom, solutions, and strength. You will find that when you come to him, faith will start to arise from your insides. God said in Jeremiah 29, 12, that when you call on me, when you come to me, when you pray to me, I will listen to you. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. To the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks. To the one who knocks, the door shall be opened. Do you know there is no such thing 
as seeking without finding when it comes to God. When I play hide and seek with my little girl, Lila, I sometimes, just sometimes, like to, to change the rules of the game. You see, when I hear her coming, I, I, I often like to just sort of switch up the location so that the game can, can last a bit longer. I like to keep moving and move again and move again. But God is not like that. When you come seeking for God, God does not change the rules. God does not move location. God does not switch up the, the protocol. He doesn't say, hey, you, you're not good enough to get my attention today. He doesn't say, you haven't prayed to me for six months. Why should I answer you now? He doesn't say, I saw what you were up to last night. I saw what you were looking at last night. I saw what you were doing last night. Why don't you come back and ask me for that miracle next week? No, God says, if you knock, then you shall find me. You shall find me. Oh, let me tell you, God, he may not give you the answer <laughs> that you desire straight away. And you, have to, you may have to keep seeking him a bit longer than five minutes. He may even remain silent until you do what he last told you to do. But God is listening because my Bible says he has heard your every single prayer. That's why it's so important to make time in your day to pray so that you can grow in your relationship with God. He's not too hard to find. In fact, God is waiting on you to show up. <laughs> He's waiting on you to show up. Do you know the centurion? The centurion caught the attention of God. The centurion got the miracle that he desired. The centurion took the limits of his faith because he came into the presence of Jesus as he was. Come as you are. Is this helping you this morning? I'm just warming up. <laughs> you know, I was preaching a few weeks ago in quite a large Church of England church, and uh, a lady who was nearly 90 years old came up to me after the service, and she said, you know, Luke, when you were preaching, I, I thought I'd been healed. I, I turned off my hearing aid. <laughs> Amen, sister, I said, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> the second key to take the limitations off your faith is this number two, is that you need to have a heart for others. Despite the fact that this centurion was a Gentile, a Roman soldier, a man of authority, he was also a compassionate master, a considerate citizen, and a lover of God. I find it quite striking in this story that not only did this man go out of his way to encounter Jesus, but he did so on behalf of another person. And not just any person, he did it on behalf of his servant. Now you could imagine a servant you know, chasing after Jesus to get a miracle for his master, but for the master to run across town on behalf of his servant. Ah, that's a little out there. I mean, surely when this centurion approached Jesus, he could have changed his agenda. He could have asked Jesus to bless him, to, to do something in his life, to, 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 to give him some sort of personal miracle. Instead, he purposed in his heart that he was going to be a servant to his servant by going to the supreme servant who would then serve up a miracle to the sick servant who was lying at home. That's a lot of serving right there. But you get my point. 
You see, the actions of this centurion was not a publicity stunt or, or an attempt to win favor in the eyes of the public. No, it was a masterclass in placing the needs of other people above your own. John Bunyan, an old-time preacher and author of Pilgrim's Progress, once said this, You have not lived today until you have done something for someone who cannot repay you. I say that again, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who cannot repay you. Do you know there is no better exercise for the human heart than reaching down and pulling other people up. And I know that this church, Soul Church, does that so well. I look at what you're doing through the the backpacks of hope and to help those suffering in the Ukraine. I I see your local and global initiatives through the Soul Foundation. They are fantastic causes to get involved with, causes that are making a real, tangible, life-changing difference in people's situation, not just here in Norwich, but across the world. Do you know there is tremendous power in serving others. Not only does, does it change the recipient of your generosity or the recipient of your actions, but serving others shifts something in you. It releases something in you. It may even break something in you, something that has held you back, something that has kept you bound, something that has caused you great pain. You see, serving others changes you from the inside out. It changes you from the inside out. A limited life focuses on all your wants and your own desires. A limitless life puts other people first. It demonstrates compassion. It encourages the brokenhearted. It gives unreservedly. It does things outside of our comfort zone, like stopping by the road in a pickup truck to bless a college student with a set of weights. It does things like missing your train because you saw that man or woman crying on the platform. It does things like standing with your family and friends, even when everyone else has turned their backs on them. It it, it means showing up and and giving your best to, to make church happen each week so that people can come in and encounter the living and true God. You see, friend, when you choose to serve someone, help someone, pray for someone, you are getting the attention of heaven. You are sowing seeds in your life that will reap a harvest. You are releasing faith that will not return void. And so just like this centurion found out, who stepped out of his comfort zone, he did something contrary to what culture taught him. He he demonstrated a heart to serve others. It resulted in a tremendous miracle taking place. Oh, this man knew how to take the limits off. Turn to your neighbor and say, take the limits off. Now turn to your least favorite neighbor. <laughs> so you, you better take the limits off too. Hey, some of you husbands are in trouble over lunch this afternoon. You turned the wrong way first. Perhaps the keys can come forward as I bring this in. The third key that's going to help you take the limitations off your faith is this, is that you need to believe it can happen. (laughs) You need to believe that what you're asking God for can happen. The centurion was a man who understood Jesus' authority. 
In the same way, he commanded soldiers under his charge. He knew that anything Jesus commanded would just happen. No, 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 Jesus. You, you don't need to come to my house. You don't need to physically come and, and see my sick servant lying at home. Just say the word. <laughs> Just say the word. Wow. Wow. You see, this centurion, he knew that he was in the presence of someone extraordinary. A man who possessed the power of heaven on his, on his insides. A miracle working man. All the centurion had to do to receive his miracle was believe in him. In other, in other words, recognize that the man who stood before him was Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It was as simple as that. So simple that Jesus even made a big deal of it. The Bible says that Jesus was astonished. He was astonished by this man's faith. Finally, he goes. Finally, someone who gets it. I tell you the truth. I haven't found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Oh, how amazing would it be if your faith could astonish Jesus? <laughs> Imagine if Jesus said that about you. Oh, you need to get yourself to Norwich. You should see the faith in that place. You need to come to Soul Church for a weekend and see what happens. Well, more than a weekend, every week. You know, the Bible says that we can all have faith. <laughs> and that's all Jesus wants from us, simple faith. You know, you don't have to be rich, smart, strong, experienced, pass a class in theology to have faith. Faith is available to everybody. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Do you know, faith is the bridge. It is the bridge. It is the bridge between our natural thoughts and our supernatural God. Faith is the tangible evidence that what you are believing Him for can happen. Oh, you may not see it yet. It, you may not have the proof yet. The sums may not add up just yet, but you know it's possible. That's faith. That's faith. And the centurion had that figured out. Go! It will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. That very hour. As I bring this to a close, And I always have to have a close, otherwise I preach all day. <laughs> I told you a story. At the start of my message about a small, very small, faith-filled prayer that I prayed in Sydney, Australia about some weights and how Dave stopped his car, picked me up and blessed me with just what I had asked God for. Now, as much as God was showing me that He is a good Father, and that He does care about the small things in your life that no one else sees, that no one else knows about, those personal desires that mean something to you. That wasn't the only lesson here. I would later discover that He was teaching me something far greater. It was a lesson in faith. 
It was my faith that was getting a workout. It was my faith that was getting stretched. In April 2015, I was preparing for what was supposed to be one of the greatest days of my life. My wife and I had bought a house. Lisa was pregnant and we were expecting our first child. Nine months had passed. I mean, it was a miracle that we'd even conceived. And so we were excited to meet this this new baby girl that we had named Elle. We, We were ready. The nursery was decorated. The baby clothes had been laid out. I had positioned the car seat in the car ready for that triumphant drive home so that I could show her off to my family and friends. However, at the final midwife appointment, just days before her due date, we received the most devastating, shocking, traumatic piece of news possible. They couldn't detect a heartbeat. And in that moment, our world came crashing down. Lisa courageously delivered our stillborn baby. We held her. We hugged her. We did everything we could to revive her. But it wasn't to be. She was perfectly formed, yet her eyes did not open and her death was recorded as unexplained. We were broken, crushed, confused. I was angry at God. In fact, the first month after her death, I I couldn't speak to God and I thought he had nothing to say to me. But on the morning of Elle's funeral, and I've seen some people here today that were at that funeral, I picked up my Bible and started to read God's Word. Slowly, very slowly, faith began to rise. And it was that faith that would then drive me to pray for the next 14 months, every single day through the many tears that we would conceive again. And then pray every single day for the next nine months that this time, this time, the outcome at the end would be different. It was that faith that prepared me for that day my second daughter would be born. And I'd watch blood drip off the operating table due to serious complications. Lisa needing emergency surgery. Lila rushed into special care with severe breathing difficulties. How I nearly lost both of those girls too. But it was in that hospital room on that day where God reminded me through the faith I had in Him of His goodness that if God could provide a college student with a set of weights, then my God could get me out of this trouble. He could get me out of this trouble. But if God, come on, you give Him a hand of praise. We thank You, Lord. 
The praise is His. He is worthy to be praised. Uh, but I had to believe, I had to trust. Perhaps the rest of the band, you're ready. I had to have that faith that God could do it. And I thank God He did because all my family are here today. <laughs> and they got some pictures if you haven't seen them already. These are my girls, my family. Lila Hope. Lila Hope, which means beautiful hope. Lucille Faith, which means bright faith. Because it's hope and faith that's going to get you your miracle. You may be seated before I finish. (laughs) I share my story with you today. Because if God can do it for me, then God can do it for you. Now I don't know what your story is. I don't know what prayers you need to start praying again. I don't know what doubts you need to get beyond. I don't know what breakthroughs you are hoping to see this year, but I do know that it starts with activating your faith each day. And I'm talking about that faith that goes into the ditches with you. Faith that walks in the hospital with you. Faith that pulls you through the unknown. Faith that whispers to you, get up, get up and have another go. Faith that shouts loudly, you can make it. Faith that affirms God has got this. You don't need more friends. You don't need more social media followers. You don't need more finance. You need a little more faith. A little more faith. Now I know some of you are thinking, well, Luke, you can say all that. But but what I'm asking God to do for me, what I need God to do in my situation, it seems impossible. It seems so far off. I have no idea how that could ever happen in my life. Well, that's okay. You don't need to know how God is going to answer your prayers. You just need to believe that He is going to answer your prayers. Like this centurion, He didn't have all the details, but he did know the power of the God's spoken word. He knew that the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of the heavens and the earth was on his side, that nothing, nothing, not one thing was impossible for him. Not one thing. So friend, if you wanna see God, do the miraculous in your situation. If you want to see God, lift that if you so if you want to see faith arise in your heart, if you want to see the impossible come to pass, then it is time to start taking the limits off. Take the limits off your doubts, the limits off your dreams, the limits of your expectations, the limits of your mind, the limits of your prayers, the limits of your thoughts, the limits of your vision. It's time, it is time to start saying the word, to start speaking like it is about to happen. You need to wake up each day and declare God's promises over your situation. I am a child of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I can defeat my giant. I can move beyond that pain. My miracle is coming. Healing is on the way. That door will be open. Oh church, let for everything, everything, everything is possible to him who believes.
wherever I go, I always want to take a moment to give people an opportunity to make your peace with God, to invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your heart. And so right now, if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you or, or call you to the front. This isn't about me and you. This is a moment between you and God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. He took our sin, our shame, our guilt. He took it to the grave. But three days later, the Bible boldly declares that the grave could hold Him no more and Jesus Christ would rise from the dead. In rising from the dead, He would smash through the chains of sin. He would break through the bonds of death and He would make a way for you and I to be forgiven, accepted and loved. The Bible calls His love the gift of salvation. And it is a gift. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. You cannot work for it. But if you reach out in faith, if you repent of your sins, which means say sorry to God and turn your heart towards Him, then Jesus will come alive in you and your life will never be the same again. And so if I'm speaking to you this morning in here or if you're watching online, I'm going to count to three. And on three, I just want you to raise your hands so that I could have the privilege of leading you through a simple prayer of faith, inviting Jesus to come into your heart. Maybe you've never made this decision before. Perhaps it's the first time you've ever come to church and you're thinking, I don't know what that guy is going on about, but I know I need it. Or perhaps once upon a time, you did say yes to Him, but you've backslidden. You've fallen away. Perhaps your faith in God has dried up due to pain or disappointment or let down. But you know that God is stirring your heart today and you need to recommit your life to Jesus. If that's you, I'm speaking to you. And so right now on three, just lift your hands boldly so that I can lead you through a simple prayer of faith. Here we go. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. I see that hand too. Awesome. Several people today. Anyone else join these people this morning? Praise God. Okay, you can put those hands down. As I said, I'm going to lead you through a simple prayer of faith. And I want every single person, even if you didn't raise your hands this morning, I want all of you to pray this prayer after me. Come on, church, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Today I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me from my sins. Father, I turn towards you and I accept your gift of grace. I ask that you would use me as a follower of you to make your name known all the days of my life. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Come on, let's give God and those people a round of applause. God bless you, church. Incredible. Come on, I think we can do better than that. Possibly the, definitely the most incredible decision you could ever make. Let's give it up for everyone who made that decision this morning. 
giving your life to Jesus is by far the best thing you could ever do. And maybe in that moment, you were one of those who put your hand up. Maybe you're watching online and you prayed that from your heart. Maybe you didn't have the courage to put your hand up, but you meant it from the heart as you prayed. And we wanna make sure we give you a gift. It's a New Testament experience as part of the Bible. And as you're on your way out of the service today, there's a Bible pickup point where you can get your free gift from us to you as, a, as something to mark the start of this incredible new journey because it is so significant. It's something we never like to just gloss over and move on from because this is something that will transform your life forever. There's one more thing we love to do in Soul Church. You might've noticed we have a massive wall at the back of the atrium. It says, Jesus is life. It's spelled out in light bulbs. And what happens is every time somebody raises their hand in a service or makes that decision to invite Jesus into their heart, they screw in a light bulb to signify that their life has moved from darkness to life to light. And we'd love for you to be part of that. So after the service, you can head on to the Jesus's life wall and some of our team will make, meet you there and they'll have a light bulb ready for you. And you can take that step to, to signal that you have turned your life from darkness to light. It's an incredible opportunity. Well, can we give it up for Luke and that message? So powerful, so moving. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.